There you go hello welcome to mental health bar everyone hello this is andrea the uh, dominant mindset coach this is the first time we've been doing this so uh say hello andrea give them a wave um hello, hello. so we are live at the moment on twitch uh we will have to wait until everyone gets here obviously we've only just started um andrea is obviously uh, this is the first time on twitch for you isn't it andrea yeah, uh, I've never, I, like, I, I didn't know what Twitch was until this afternoon, so. <laughs> <Did> <laughs> the last video game that I played was on a Mega Drive and it was Road Rash, so that, was, that yeah. That's, Road Rash is a great game, it's a, absolutely a great game. Twitch has come a long way, but you, that's what you were right, it's been, it was built for, uh, it's come a long way since Road Rash, um, it's been built for video games, at one point it was like, the whole thing was video games. But now, with people like me on here, it's 50-50. You've got Just Chatting, um, which is this thing we're in. You've got talk shows. You've got mental health. You've got all sorts. Everyone comes on here just to... I mean, at the moment, it's, the, it's, the, it's a great place for a community. So here we are at the Mental Health Bar. Now, <laughs> gradually, people will come in. So in the first five minutes, we'll just have a chat and we'll, we'll talk to people as they come in and stuff. And then we'll introduce you properly and... Well, I've, as I said, we've kind of gone live quickly because I didn't realise the time and we were in the middle of a discussion. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. We, 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 which is fine. It means it's organic. It's related. So that means, uh, someone's, that means someone's followed. Thank you very much for following. I love croissants 259. That's someone's just followed. Uh, obviously, I love croissants. You, uh, we all love croissants. Who doesn't like croissants? Uh, so <laughs> you don't like croissants, did you say? Or did you say you do like croissants? No, I do it's just oh. he said I like croissants two five nine and I said I love croissants two six seven two six seven it's it, that's you have to talk like that this is Twitch you is have that a to game? no it's I love croissants is the name of the person that's just followed I wasn't <laughs> <laughs> I but I, I I he's a one of our members of our community and I know that he loves croissants uh, he pitches posts pictures all the time so he's I just, just want to know what he has on a croissant though is it jam is it chocolate is it patty. Well, we can ask him. Yeah. We, we can ask him. Uh, I love croissants. What's your favourite topping for croissants? This is not the stream. This is not the stream. <laughs> That's not the show. We're not just going to get people. Hello, Stu. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, yeah, he's gone. Do it. No, we're not going to do sing mode tonight. I should, that's that is. It's not happening. Um, that's one thing that uh, <laughs> that's one thing you'll uh, you'll get is people ham and cheese. Says someone. Uh, Stu says ham and cheese on a croissant. Croque monsieur, right? It's like a croque monsieur. Um, apricot jam is another option. This is a get. This is not what we were going to go with, but we'll start I with this. My own plum jam. I learned how to do it this year in lockdown, nice. and from one tree, I get fifteen liters of jam. Fifteen liters of jam from one tree. <laughs> do you use fifteen liters of jam, or have you? Gave it to so many people. I was like, please take the jam. I still got a liter in my fridge that I just. It's been six months. It's been six months. Uh, sounds like a recipe for diabetes, says one of our members. 15 litres of jam. It's a, it's a lot of jam. We made marmalade. We made uh, Seville marmalade, and we only got three litres out of a whole box of oranges. So it's a bit different, though. 
jam is a bit different bowling um, <laughs> uh, this is not people are going to be coming in going i thought this was a mental health chat and we'll be like who likes croissants i love jam <laughs> What we're starting I'm sure with. we could turn into a clever metaphor for something. Clever metaphor for. Before the end of the show, I'll get off some sort of jam. <laughs> it will, that's what's going to happen. We'll, we'll definitely have some kind of. You can do it. We've we'll have, we've got one story already. Let's have another one about jam by the end of this, Andrea. Let's uh, let's make let's make it happen. We'll make this work. That's what we'll do. Um, right. So I will bring up. Sorry. I, we're going to make sure that um, we're not going to step on anyone's toes. So I'm just moving some screens around. Right, let's let's recap for everyone because we've got quite a lot of people in here now. We've got 20 people already here, uh, and I expect more to, to join us um, as it's only been a couple of minutes. So yes, hello everyone that's in. Welcome to the new format show. Uh, which way am I looking now? I have to make sure that I know. This way is... Where are we? That way. There's Andrea. Andrea is the dominant... Uh, mindset coach Andrea is our first guest here on Mental Health Bar. She is going to be going through what she does uh, to help people with their mental health or just with their life in general. What would you say? So I help people who are who have big goals, big dreams, but are stuck, and it's either through procrastination, not you know limiting beliefs, um, and that could be related to mental health stuff, but it's not always. Um, and I just help them to to find their balls and to get forwards in their life um, so they can get the life that they want. And sometimes that's about taking back the power from places that they've handed it out to. Right, okay, so it's about taking back the power, internalizing the power to themselves, would you say? Or is there something more to it than that? Taking full control of their life and, and really dominating in every single area of their life so that they're not giving power away to any other people, places, things, situations, activities, because we all do it. We give it away all the time. Right. But when um, we take it back, we've got full responsibility, full accountability, and then we become unstoppable and we develop that unshakable belief in ourselves. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, Unsha uh, and I think unshakable belief. Uh, and I, I said this to you just before we came on, that I'm jealous of your own personal mind strength. You have this great mindset that's like very focused, very aware, self-aware, but also very determined. You are completely comfortable with yourself, right? Am I getting Yeah, yeah would you say that? 100%. I, 100%. Whereas I'm sure it's come across that I am not completely comfortable with it. Even... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, and I'm, I'm, the thing is, I know that. I'm very aware of that. And that's what I'm coming to terms with. So it's one of the things I want to talk about tonight. You have to be aware of these things, especially, I don't, I'm not going to ask your age, but especially when you're 38. So you have to be aware, and you've got kids. So we're not that far apart. We're not far apart. And how much better do you look compared to, I've got the grey going on, I've got the beard. But it's. I know that I, I realise the beard is... Is obviously chromosome dependent here. This is. This I, is I shaved. Did I you shave just before we came on? That's. It's good to know. It's good to know. Um, yeah, but no, yes. You had smoother knees. You don't know what I've got underneath this. Um, we've got people saying. Um, so people are saying hello, everyone. There's nothing wrong with grey hair. Someone's forty nine. They said, that, and they're saying that there's nothing wrong with that. And I know that Nick, who said he's 49, is a runner as well, a runner. So, um, but yeah. So, uh, Andrea, um, yeah, we were talking about uh, where do you think that comfort within yourself has come from? That's an important thing that I think everyone here is going to want to know. Where do you think that's come from? That stability of self. So I, 
I wasn't always like that. Like I spent a lot of my time worried about what everybody else thought of me, allowing other people and other things to dictate how I thought, acted and felt. And I was basically, I was so, the word I want to use is inauthentic. I was lying to myself, I was lying to other people. I was a social chameleon. I was doing whatever people, whatever I thought people expected of me. And, yeah. and I used to just, you know, if you told me that blue was my favorite color, blue was my favorite color, because I wanted you to like me. Yeah. And and it had to come from getting really honest about what you know what am I happy with what am I not happy with, um, and and being authentic with myself and being really true to myself and showing up completely myself, um, and what I found that is when I did that my life organically changed right. really quickly. So the people that um. The people that were in my life, who were in my life because they liked me as a person, the bits that I let them get to see stayed. But the people that were only really interested in the facade that I created, because I was a dominatrix for 12 years. So a lot of that was, you know, showing up online and being the person that people expect me to be. Um, but a lot of those people just disappeared and that's okay. Because, it, you know, when you show up as yourself, you become it becomes a very great organic filter for those things. Yeah. And, you know, I've just... Since I did that, I got sober as well um, and got really and sat with some of my stuff. You know, a lot of the things that, that I was going through and a lot of the stories and beliefs that I had about myself, about the world and about other people, just weren't true. No. And I had to sit with that and I had to sit with the emotion and I had to stop trying to bury it or pretend it wasn't there or muddled through. I had to sit with it and go, ah, this is horrible. And, but do you know what? It's transient. It'll pass. And I let it pass. And then I looked very, very honestly at the stories that I was telling myself and things like I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. Um, people won't like me if I'm not playing the dominatrix. Right, um, yeah. All of these things. And I'm not good enough. And uh, all of those, all that success, that's for other people. That's not for me. They're better than me. All of that stuff. And I had to sit with it and I had to really interrogate it and go, is this true? Or is this is this fact or is this just a story I've been telling myself? Yeah. And what I found was when I traced it back, that when I was younger, things had happened and I'd made decisions about myself, about the world and about other people that I stuck to for 30 years. Right, yeah. And doing that, I damaged myself the whole way along. And, and it wasn't until it was pointed out. So see, I didn't know what I didn't know until then. I couldn't help it. But see, once it was pointed out to me and I could see it, then that gave me my power back and I could powerfully choose. Do I want to keep that belief? Do I want to continue believing that story that I know for a fact is not true? Or do I want to choose differently? Do I want to choose a different life? And that's that's where it all came from. That's where that unshakable belief came from. Also, it's not enough to just accept that it's not true. I need to take action. I need to face the shit that I'm, that I'm most terrified of. And that was where the breakthroughs came See, I think that's, you've hit on something there. And I, I do want to cover a bit that you've just covered. You say the stories um, were not true. So I I want to just cover that a bit in a bit more clarity so that people who are watching can understand. Because I absolutely know where you come from. Having been someone who, so I, I know that you know some of it. And my 
viewers know that I'm bipolar and, and, and I've suffered with stuff in the past. And um, when you're bipolar, unfortunately, you do suffer from delusions sometimes. That's one of the symptoms. And uh, I have believed things that aren't true. And then when I went to therapy, much younger, obviously, I was in my teens and early 20s. When I went to therapy, you, you, you that's where I found my truth, where my um therapist was like you've got to think of it like brain flu and you've got to separate what's real from what's not real so where did you find your truth where did you find the truth of those stories what was the thing i know there's not going to be one specific thing but was it in yourself was it help from outside was it uh just a general awareness that came with age what would you say it was so i had to i had to get help with this and and the, the biggest help that i got with it was through um, through having my own coach and someone that was willing to believe in me more than I believed in myself. Someone yeah. that saw me as what as the person I could be, all of my potential, everything that was great about me when I couldn't see that. I, I wanted to keep myself small and they yeah. dragged me out of a box and were like, no, you're not small. You're not that you're not who you think you are. This is what I see you as. You're a giant, and you need to fill those boots of yours because right now you're trying to fill everyone else's shoes. Yeah. And a lot of it came from because you know I would get triggered, right? And now yes. when I get triggered, I see that as a I see that as a helpful thing. That's that's just an indication that there's something else I need to look at, and this is an ongoing process, and it will be for the rest of my life. But you know, I get triggered. I get triggered when I started this business in a pandemic. I get triggered when I was in relationships and I couldn't ask for what I wanted. I get triggered when I was going into Costa and I was going to order a coffee and the woman got it wrong and I couldn't right. tell her that it was wrong. So, and I traced, like that one, those one wee triggers, that all comes from one memory. One memory, when right. I was younger, I asked for something and I got fucking yelled at, like horribly yelled at. And I made a decision at age seven, there and then, I would not ask for what I wanted because it was too scary. So yeah. that decision kept me safe at the time. I used my best thinking when I was seven, but I stuck to that decision my whole life. So when it came to asking for what I wanted in a relationship, then I was I was seven years old again. I was standing in the living room and, and I was getting yelled at. I was terrified, I was frozen, I was stuck. Even though at that point I was 18, 19, 20, whatever age. Yeah. Then I'd go to Costa, I'd order a, sorry, any other coffee shop. And <laughs> I'd go, I'd go it doesn't order They'd get it wrong, and I and I go to and I go that wrong, and then I'd go no because I'm seven years old again. I'm standing in the living room. I'm about to get shouted at. You know, I, I never really saw the truth of the matter. Was that yeah. I made a decision, right? Yeah, yeah. I was seven, yeah. and then once I could see that truth, then I was like, okay, yeah, I might continue sticking by that decision because I know where that takes me. It's held me back. It stopped me in my tracks. It's kept me in the floor. Or yeah. do I want to go, you know what? You made the decision. Let's forgive you and let's move on. And that's yeah. what I did. And that got me unstuck. It's a... Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. I, uh, what happened there was I had a delay and then I heard you again in my ears and I thought I was talking over the top of you. But yes, that's see, that's a perfect mm -hmm. thing. So you have to look within yourself and you've got a, a coach, like a life coach is from what I understood there. That's what... Um, was it a life coach or was it a more specific... So he's a, you have a partner, don't you? That I work with, they're my business coaches, but they their premise is you can only take your clients as deep as you've gone yourself. So I need to do all the deep inner work first. Otherwise, what happens is I'll get me and a client standing at an obstacle going, Do you know how to go over this? No, I don't know. I'm playing <laughs> you, right? 
Yeah. So yeah, I want yeah. to avoid that. So I do all the deep inner work on me so that when we come to obstacles and they're like, I, I don't know what to do, I'm stuck, then I can go, do you know what? I've done this one before and I know exactly how to go over it. So give me your hands, I'll steady you and I'll get you over and then we'll go to the next one. Yeah. And that's that's basically how it works. Like, and if if you're if you're going to be a coach or any of these kind of things, you need to have done that work on yourself in order to help the clients. There's no way around it. No, no, that's that's a that's a great point you make. And so someone in the chat has just said, uh, Carrie Bailey has just said, everyone needs one person in their life that sees them as a giant. I think that sometimes perception is you need to be. Sometimes you just feel small, and you need someone to point out that you are massive and you're not you're not defined by a, a sense of a, a smallness um i say a sense of smallness but you know exactly what you were saying you mean <laughs> <laughs> a sense of smallness uh so, but you know what i mean everyone does i had the same thing with uh my wife when like you wouldn't have recognized me 10 years ago and i i was i I've, i come from an abusive relationship i, I was uh, suffering from bipolar and she met me and i was a recluse can you imagine that? Uh, I was a recluse. I used to stay at home. And so the, I've got to this from a, for a decade of working on myself. I had long hair. I was, uh, you've seen the pictures and stuff. Um, so I, I absolutely understand. You do need someone that shows you up for being a giant rather than feeling like a small person all the time because of one incident that started off probably a chain of incidents. Am I right? It, did, it, it It's one incident and then it's you, because of that thing, that behavior then causes you to seek out more of that kind of behavior, not that behavior. I just didn't know what I was doing. I made the decision. I didn't realize that that was a story that was running in the background. I had no idea until someone helped me to see the truth of that. Someone that had been through it before had dealt with the same thing and was like, this is what you're doing. And what does that bring up for you? And I was like, fuck that actually like that completely resonates. Yeah, yeah, and now, exactly. Where else is that shown up in your life? Is it in your career, your relationship, your personal development, your health, your fitness? And I'm like every single area of my life because the way that we do anything is the way we do everything. So yes. if you believe that you're not worthy of something in one area, you better believe you feel that you're not worthy in a whole bunch of different areas. So the great part about coaching is we can fix it in one area and it has that ripple effect right through your whole entire life. It's so powerful. That's a really great point because a lot of people, I think, um, and coming from the entertainment industry, I think a lot of people will be like, I'm a great comic in my industry when I was in, but I'm an awful human. I'm an awful communicator. I'm a great comic, but I'm awful at this. When actually that, it's it's that they're, they're not awful at those things. It's that they're using one thing to define themselves rather than trying to figure out everything they're trying to balance it but using only one thing and there's definitely that imbalance in their life and, and that's that's a very good point that you make is that they're saying oh, i'm horrible you're saying oh, i'm bad at this when actually that failing continues through all sorts of stuff and working out in one place can lead to identifying the fault in a lot of places that's a really good I'd, I'd never thought of it like that actually andrea that's a really good point you, you made there I, I i i know that seems like a great because to you it's obviously second nature now but to me it's, i i get I, i'm very aware that you have to make you have to um uh, identify when you've been when you've learned something new i think our world is a bit weird at the moment where people are like i don't want to I, I don't really need to learn anything that's the current theory uh, there's... Well, the minute we say I know is the minute that we block ourselves from any sort of development. 
That's a if great. we always go into things with a beginner's mindset, right? Open to yeah. learning, open to even if you've heard it a thousand times, something might land differently. Like yeah, yeah. my my coach says to me, many people hear things for the first time, the seventh time they hear it. Seventh time. Uh-huh. Why is it and seven? What's... He repeats it again and again. He's like, I will keep saying the same shit to you until it until it lands, until it goes in. I mean, seven's an arbitrary number, but oh, okay. sometimes it takes a long time for this for things to actually settle. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's you know, when you watch like a really detailed movie and you watch it and then you watch it again, you're like, I didn't even see that bit that time. Yeah. And it's it's the same with coaching. Sometimes it takes a few attempts for things to really sink in and really go in. And, and I'm still learning every single day and I just love it. Like, oh, that's it's, it's great that you love that. And, and it looks like you've taken a lot from it. So now I'm going to ask you a couple of questions because I obviously prepared some questions for this and we've talked a lot about your coaching and how that's helped you, but also how you've become a coach as well. But you you obviously um we're talking about how i'm just going to say there's the we've had some people say hi so hi kawinia and also tim says we all need someone who can believe in you and give you that growth to be that confident person i think that absolutely but i think also a lot of people look for that person rather than trying to work on themselves first and i think that's a dangerous trap to fall into so yes agreed but also can i add a caveat to that as yeah well? go for it go for it go for it it's it's you know it's all very well getting yourself a coach or a psychologist or a therapist or any of these kind of things but the real value comes from the participation of the yeah. person and the real value comes in the work that you do between sessions not just the stuff in the session because if you go in with the intention of using somebody as a crutch or you fix me what what anyone does in a, in a therapeutic sense is empowers you to take those steps for yourself and if you go like I've I've done it myself right I've gone into therapy thinking you need to fix me and yeah. and then I've done zero work in yeah. between and I've not really played for it I've not been honest I've not done the yeah. work I've not dug in I've not been two feet in I've not been committed and you know what didn't fix me like yeah and then I was and then I was angry I was resentful you didn't fix me therapy doesn't work like yep. that's not true right I can believe in somebody and I will stand for people all day long because somebody stood for me when I needed it and and I'll do that but if, if I've got clients that aren't doing the work in between they're not taking the action they're not going to get the breakthroughs and you know I'm as a coach I'm completely unattached to that sort of outcome because if they don't do the work in between I can't force it on anyone I can't make no. them do it um, no. But as long as you've got people that are willing to stand for you, and then you're willing to step up and stand for yourself and do the hard shit, then you will get you will get a life beyond your wildest dreams. Yeah. See, I think that you've got. I think that your the the thing with that is um, that you you have to stick up for yourself. You have to fully commit. I think you had a great. Uh, say what you said about the we we were talking beforehand, and you said about and I said it was Darkwing Duck. So you say what about that? <laughs> oh the dangerous thing yeah yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, mean, I even learned from my clients one of my clients says to me um he said his dad used to say and we were talking about motivation and not being scared to try shit yeah, and he yeah. said do you know what you've just reminded me of something that my dad used to say to me and i was like what is it and he said my dad used to say to me don't be afraid to get dangerous and i was like i love every bit of that that's yeah. that's that's going to be my new model because see sometimes when we're scared to do something it can feel like real actual danger 
Yeah. And, and all it is is just an energy. It's fear. or It's an energy labeled as fear. So yep. real fear is when you're lying in your bed at two in the morning and glass breaks and you hear footsteps coming up your home, right? Yep. And it's fucking dark. That's fear. That gives me cold. That gives me goosebumps and everything. Awesome. But when, when there's something, for me, this is my belief, is that fear is... It's just a cover for desire, right? right? Everything that we want lies underneath fear. Yeah. And so, and it can feel like, and it can feel like danger. It's danger. Yeah. It's danger. It's like I'm scared to go after the thing that I really want. If you've got a fear of failure, it's because you really fucking want to succeed. If you've got a fear of, um, if you've got a fear of relationships, it's because you really want to connect with people. If yeah. you see if you didn't want these things, you wouldn't be bothered. It wouldn't bother you in the slightest. No, no, that's you make a valid the the idea that that because in your mind you still you still because we fantasize about it. So I think that when you don't commit to it and you don't do it, you can say you've tried, but mm-hmm. it wasn't for you. But maybe in the future you can do it, and so you still have it. You still have it in your head that it's that it's possible. Whereas if you go all in, there's the chance that you won't ever get it. And that's the terrifying. I think that that's a, that's a delusion we like live within ourselves. And, that, yeah, that, and there's, there's a payoff to that though. So when it comes to not going after the things that we want, right? There's there's a couple of things going on there. One, there's a story that's running behind that. There's a belief about yourself about the thing you're after. Yeah. Maybe it's that I'm not good enough. That I'm going to fail. That I am this or I am not that. Yeah. And. You know, so we've got that. If we can look at the truth of the matter and ask it, is it true? Is it not true? Where else does it show up? Where did that come from? Yeah. We can look at that. But also, um, there's a payoff. We hold on to this stuff for a reason, right? Yeah. And there's a payoff. It's because it keeps us safe. It keeps us comfortable. Yeah, it does. And we like Absolutely. to be safe and comfortable. But, what's, but also, with the payoff, there's a cost. What's the cost of that? And what's more important to you? Is it getting your dream? right because you're you're wiping that off the table by staying comfortable in your little limited box or is it is it worth just being a bit uncomfortable for a bit and then being able to say you know what i went i played fill out i put two feet in maybe it didn't work out but um you never know until you try that is true that is absolutely and would you say that that feeling that fear you had was like one of the reasons because you mentioned I, I i'm not gonna i don't want to dwell on it too much but you mentioned obviously addiction was that do you think that fear was a strong part of that addiction do you think that was a driving force for it or was there another reason for it what do you think so there's two reasons why we do anything right we're either yeah. trying to get away from pain avoiding pain or we're trying to go towards pleasure okay yeah. so for example if you ask somebody what do you want for dinner the people that try and get away from pain will go, well, I definitely don't want burgers and I really don't fancy a pizza and I'm not really into a Chinese tonight. They'll tell you everything they don't want. The people that are go towards pleasure people, they'll be like, oh, could we have pizza? Or if we get any burgers and pizza, actually, could we see if that Chinese is open down the road? Because I really love that. They'll tell you everything that they want, right? Yeah, yeah. So I had two reasons why I was drinking. One of them was I was trying to get away from the pain of being in social situations, I find them horribly uncomfortable and I, and I drank to get rid of that, right? Yeah. And But also, when I started drinking, I started drinking at 12 and it was such a good laugh. Like, I would go get absolutely pissed and it would be like, 
Friday or Saturday night, I don't know what's going to happen. I love that feeling of unpredictability, right? I don't know what's going to happen tonight, but whatever it is, it's going to be brilliant, right? That was my whole thing. So I loved drinking, right? And I kind of say I didn't. I absolutely fucking loved it. We don't do things that we don't like. So what I did with addiction is um, I went through... I went through part of the 12 steps. To be honest, yeah. it wasn't really for me because there was a lot of, I felt like it was, it was, there was a lot of shame and guilt and, and all that kind of stuff yeah. that was coming up. And I, I just want, I don't want to talk about, I don't want to focus on the past. I want to move forward, right? I'm a Absolutely. forward person. Yeah, yeah. So I dealt, I sat with and I dealt with every single bit of pain that I had to deal with, including the suicide of my ex-husband, including people that I'd hurt, including shit that I'd done that I shouldn't have done. I repaired relationships with my mum, my sister, and all that stuff. That So that took that reason away, right? I now don't, don't need to drink to get rid of pain. So yeah. that's half the reason going. Now I've, I'm only left with the pleasure part, right? Yeah. And if we've got a scale of pleasure, and up here is 100 and here is neutral, yeah. then drinking took me to about here. Yeah. So what I had to do is I had to make sure my life was at least here on yeah. the pleasure scale because then I'd need to make my life worse to drink. So yeah, I did. And I also made sure that I liked my personality so much and I get comfortable yeah. with myself so much that I would not want to change it. And now when I go into a room, I'm so self-aware that see if I'm uncomfortable in that room, I'll leave before I have a drink because I'm that I'm important enough to myself to not have to medicate myself in order to stay somewhere that I don't want to be. So that is a See, now that is a great point. I think that that is people push themselves to be in situations that they find uncomfortable, which makes them behave in a way that they that would uh, go against their core values. Like that's what you're talking about right there. And they don't have to. I think people assume that they have to force themselves to do these things when in fact they can just get the fuck out of there. Right. That's they don't have to be in that situation. I've got this belief that's maybe running in the background that everyone's going to talk about me if I leave. Mm. People will hate me if I leave. I have to be here. If I see, I'll, I'll let you into a secret. No one gives a fuck if you leave a party. Not one person. Give them a wee chat the next day. Give them a text. Sorry, I was tired. Or I just didn't feel like it. But literally, I mean, you can you can go down the side route of no one gives a fuck. But you can also go down the route of no one gives a fuck. So I can do yeah. what I want. No one gets right. that, that's people no think about it anyway. So let's just fucking live my life. Do it your way. Be happy for yourself, right? Do the things for you Absolutely. that you deserve. Uh, so I've just um, there's there's a couple of comments that people have made. So uh, I'm just going to yeah. read those off, and we'll jump back onto that because it's a it's a good point because that was it's something during lockdown that I've learned is how to be happy with me more than with me as a per, as a face like as a person to be in a group of people and i, I just want to i jump, want to jump back to that but some people have said things um Kawinia has said uh we never drink anymore but they used to use gin in order to replace antipsychotics because they didn't get proper mental health care where they were and that i think that that's a replacement for that is is something we can all identify with i was the like when i, I used to drink because i was bipolar and so i'd, I'd do it to get happy to feel something other than sad and it's it, we do that a lot of the time when we don't have the right care um nick who is who said that he's he's scottish and he's his twang has regressed because of you andrea that's what we've had it but <laughs> yes. uh, but he said he earlier i didn't read it out but he said he identified that it was cultural in scotland you were expected to drink a lot more 
it was just part of the it's worldwide see during the pandemic i was on meetings sorry about mentioning it at the press level but I was on meetings all around the world and every single meeting people say it's just the culture here it's not so it's not a scottish thing it's, it's not a scottish thing that was yeah i i found that it was uh it, when i worked in the like i did a lot of stuff in the nordics and they all pride themselves on how well they drink and it's it's just it seems a very weird isn't it a very weird thing but a follow up on that nick has said i've been very lucky that i've not needed a drink however if there is drink in the house i will have a drink and there was a time when i would drink because i was drinking Choosing to lose weight and get fit also kicked his desire to have a drink, which we've discussed. Uh, yeah. Um, but I think that that's a cause. If it's there, people will do it, right? Because we are creatures of habit. And if we have a, if there's an easy way to fix something, so I eat, I'm a, I'm a big emotional eater. So that, I mean, it's not obvious, but it, you know, you can tell. Uh, but I, I do. And I, even now, even now when I'm, I'm a bit, bit more in tune with my demons, it, I still like, like I've eaten chocolate tonight just because I was a bit anxious about how well this would go. And I think that's so, my last. can I help with that slightly? Go for it, just go for it. Do it, buddy. That's, I that's... used to do that, right? I was an emotional eater and I was like, I just eat the way I drink because I don't drink anymore. So now I just eat, right? Uh, and yeah. So I used to say to myself, so say it was, say it was chocolate, right? Yeah. I'm having chocolate because I'm sad or... I'm happy because I'm eating chocolate, right? Right, yeah. And what I learned to do was change the word because into an and. Because if you use the word because, the two things are linked, right? Yeah. Chocolate, happy, right? Happy because chocolate, chocolate because happy, right? Yeah, yeah. And then when yep. we change it to and, we separate them. So then we can take away the chocolate and we'll still get happy. That's a good, yeah. And then the two of them aren't linked, so it breaks the emotional tie that you've got. So try that anytime you're going to do that. So you say, okay, I'm going to have chocolate and be anxious, right? And then then the chocolate's independent of it. You're just left with the anxiety. And then you, because you know that the chocolate's not going to have a dent on it. Yeah. But you can then deal with the anxiety and go, okay, I'm I'm feeling, this is the emotion that I'm feeling. What's the thought that's running behind it? Where's the, what's the story that I'm running? Is it that I feel uh, like, that I'm not good enough, that I'm going to mess it up, like all those yeah. kind of things. And then is that true? Is it not true? I'm just wondering, challenge it. Where did it come from? What happens if I keep a hold of that story? What happens if I ditch it? And am I prepared to take the action that scares me to break through the thought? And that is basically the process that I run through every single time this shit comes up. And That's that, I like, and this is why I was saying earlier about you having like this definite sense of self where I like I would still question myself on that but now I'm going to try that I'm going to add the the word and in I, I've been because I, I, like as a writer we're told to get rid of and so yes I, I, I really like that and, and and talking about that I do want to return to like I said we were going to do to what you were saying before you said I don't want to return to the past what I want to do is you said you confronted your demons you confronted the things that were the emotions like your um, ex-partner and people like that and um what was the thing how did you confront them what was because it's very easy to say i think it's one of the things that we you know when we're talking to other people and they say how what have you done to get your life better and you say oh i i just felt my feelings and then you move on from that it's very it's very easy for people then to go i don't i that doesn't help me you know that i don't i need to know what you did break it down a bit further so what would you say 
to people that wanted you to break it down a bit like me I, I need to know what was there did you write down things were there some people write letters and burn them mm-hmm. and, you know so at first I wrote things down um, so basically what happened was um, I had tried to pretend that the feelings weren't there and I tried to bury them down it's just muddled yeah. through listen it's fine I'm okay I'm fine what then happened was I was just a shell, right? I was this hard yeah. outer shell that was telling everybody I'm fine. But the minute somebody tapped on that shell, I was like, oh, don't, you're going to break my shell. My squidgy bits will fall out. You'll all see me. I don't like it. Yes. And yeah. when my ex um, took his life, it created a, there was not so much a guilt, but it was this horrible feeling of powerlessness. Could I have saved them? Could I have done something about it, right? Yeah. And everyone goes, it wasn't your fault, blah, blah, blah. All right, I hear you, but this doesn't change anything because I'm, I'm dealing with this internally. No. Um, yeah. And the the real breakthrough came because I'd, spent, I'd made a decision at that point, right? I talk about decisions that we make a lot, but um, I made a decision at that point that um, I wouldn't say no to anybody in case they killed themselves. That right. I wouldn't um, rock the boat in case they killed themselves. That I wouldn't fall out or fall out of contact with anybody, no matter what they did to me, in case they killed themselves. Now, that wasn't a conscious decision. It just happened in my brain, yeah. and I wasn't aware of it. No. <clears throat> that then ran the show for six years. So I was in and out of relationships with people that I just should not have been in a relationship no. with. Yep, it yep. wasn't their fault. It was me and my boundaries, right? Because I was like unable to say no and unable to tell anybody what I wanted in case they ran away and killed themselves. That was literally the fear, even though I didn't know what it was at the time. Like a prison for so you. Then, yeah, sorry. You've made a prison for yourself there. You've got your own. Ah, cage. I stuck, kept, so small, kept myself safe, right? Because I didn't yep. anything but feel the pain of someone killing myself again. Could not yep. deal with it. So at this point, so. I was scared to take, take any shots in my life. I was scared yeah. to try anything. Um, I was scared to connect with people. And it was through a conversation that I had to my coach about um, where my fears were coming from. And actually, we were talking about um, we were talking about boundaries with clients. And he said, yeah. where else does this show up in your life? And I was like, oh, it shows up here, it shows up there. And he said, okay, where, um, when, when did this start? And I was like, there's a there's a definite before and after in my life. And it was when my, I found out my ex took his life. That was the before and after. And he's like, okay, so I'm going to put this in front of you and see what you get from it. I think that at that point, you've made a decision that um, that you would never say no to anybody, no matter what happens, because you were scared that they would go and kill yourself. And I was like, you have hit the nail on the head there. And it really resonated with me. And he's like, what are you feeling? And I said, I'm, I'm feeling fucking sad. Like, and, and he said, Where, what what's that held you back from? And I ran through everything in my life. And I was like, stop me from going for jobs. It stopped me from being able to really fully connect with anybody. Um, it kept me hidden. It stopped me from talking to my mum and my sister for two years because I believe they didn't love me. Um, yeah. And wow. all these things that it caused, right? Because I'd made that. And he's like, now you can see it. What do you want to do with it? Because you've. You're believing in something that's not true. And he's like, yeah. there's loads of things that you used to believe in. Like, did you believe in Santa Claus? And I was like, yeah. And he went, well, you know, you get rid of that belief, you can get rid of this one. And I was like, okay. 
he says, if you let go of it, what happens? He says, I, I go after everything I've ever fucking wanted to. And he's like, well, what do you want more? Um, and that was the breakthrough for me. It was really, and he's like, just be present with that feeling. Allow yourself to feel it because you've been burying that for years. And do you know what? I cried for about four days, like just letting all that stuff come out. Yeah. And then afterwards, I was like, oh, my days. And do you know what happened? This was a while ago, but, and then my, one of my best friends in the whole world, um, he took his life. So that was a couple of months ago and it was just, it was horrible. It really was. But I was able to deal, because I processed all that stuff, I was able to deal with this in such a, a healthier way. Yeah, it was yeah. sore. Do you know what? I didn't run away from the emotion. I sat with it. Um, yeah, yeah. And I went down to his grave and I made sure that it was all nice and I'd said what I needed to say. And, and it was it was nice. And, mm. you know, I didn't self-destruct. I didn't, like, throw everything, you know, the baby out of the bath water. And, and I didn't avoid my feelings. I just sat with them. And I didn't make any rash decisions about my life at that point. It is what it is. Yeah. Life is perfect and everything happens exactly how it's supposed to happen right now. It's no nice sometimes. But you know what? I think it and is is dark as it sounds. I think I needed that to happen because I just processed what happened to Josh, and then this happened, and that was my test. How do I, how am I going to step up during this time? Am I going to be a victim of it for the next six years, or am I going to go? Okay, it's no nice, but let's deal with it. You can't run away from it because you're an adult now. Yeah, yeah, that's a you got you got to face it, and I think a lot of people like we're taught not to face things we're taught not to confront things we're taught to push our feelings down i think that's a core thing i think it's a very british thing uh like i think in as well as scotland i mean i'm including everyone i think that's a very british thing that we're taught to push our feelings down because i've been to other places like america and they're very much feeling everything all all at once but i think it's a very british thing and i think it is much like it's it's poison you're pushing it down and you're just waiting for it to take over and infuse your body with all of it and it takes over your whole personality and i can absolutely identify with my best friend took his life eight years ago and i blame myself for that completely and up until about a year ago so i absolutely uh and, and again i we've talked about like just before this you were saying come and have a coaching session with me and i think i'm going to you know that sounds you're absolutely right about about all of that so what what coping mechanisms have you got in place now when you're feeling overwhelmed you've obviously got these things in your past you've obviously uh you've gone through a process in order to get over some of those things but like you say with the drinking and stuff you have coping mechanisms if a situation is making you uncomfortable you leave it what other coping mechanisms have you got in place um so i've got a few like um you, you were we were talking about earlier um we talked about thinking thinking and stuff and i've got a wee story that i'll tell later yeah. but um there's a lot of things that i do um the, the main thing that really helps me is just notice when this stuff comes up, right? If I get a little bit of a bodily sensation, right, and, you know, I start getting that anxiously, I'm like, hold on, right, stop the fucking bus here. What's that feeling? What's that emotion? Yeah. And and I go, what's the thought that's underneath that? And and I really get present with it. And I know I don't make it any bigger than it needs to be. If it's right. an unhelpful thought, another another form of that limiting belief, because what happens with limiting beliefs is they go and put a disguise on and come back out as if you're not going to see them. 
Um, so that still happens. I'm like, oh my God, I thought I'd get rid of you, but you're there with the glasses with the moustache on. I'm like, I can see you, I know it's you. Yeah. So um, I have a word for myself, and sometimes it's just a matter of touch it and let it go. Don't make it any bigger than it is. Don't hold on to it. Don't like, um, and that is what keeps me going. Action. I need to take action. Yeah, Be yeah. scared shitless and do it anyway. Like there's stuff that I need to do. I need to do content. I need to do videos. I need to do, and sometimes I'm not feeling it. No. And sometimes it takes me seven or eight attempts to make a video. But yeah. you know what? I, I do it and I get it done. Not because of any other reason, but I'm scared, which tells me I want it, which tells me I need to do it. Yes. And, and then once that fear goes from my windscreen into my rear view mirror, I'm, I'm on the home straight. Like, and, and then I'll look in my mirror and I go, <laughs> I can't believe I'm scared of you. <laughs> Silly. Right? And that's it. But you need to take the action. That's where the great becomes. Now, see, that's I, I, we we've been telling our daughters that fear, like the whole time they've been brought up that um, fear is just the unknown. It's not there's nothing once nothing is ever scary once you know it. That's the thing. Even the most scariest thing in the world, you know, once you see in the horror movie, if it was all done in bright daylight, it would be a very different experience. So I, I think that you make a very great, I don't think, you make a very great point. I, I, I say, I think a lot of the time. And what I really mean is you make a great point. And I've, again, it's, it's controlling your vocabulary is something that, uh, controlling my vocabulary is something we're, we're working on. But what I'm going to do is uh, I'm just going to say, because we've been going 45 minutes and we said we were going to go for an hour and, and however long you want to stay on the call for. But um, let's just see if anyone's got any questions and we'll keep talking, but we're just going to let, we'll say to the chat, uh, first of all, thank you very much for joining us. There's quite a few of you here. that there's, I really appreciate that uh, at the Mental Health Bar and I'm, I'm sure Andrea does as well. Uh, but if you've got any questions, stick them in the chat. Andrea can't read them, but I can, and I will read them to Andrea. So, because uh, she's at the moment, we're on a Zoom call. Because this is the pandemic. This is how communications work now. So, if you've got a question for Andrea, or, or just in general that you want us to discuss, chuck it into the chat, and we will uh, check it. Uh, question just above says Claire. Uh, I've always been taught not to leave situations if I'm uncomfortable. Can we have some context of what types of situation we mean? i.e. if I'm anxious in the supermarket, me going home isn't helpful because then it tells the anxiety it was right when it wasn't. So what would you say to that? I think, I think there needs to be a bit of like personal discretion used. Like obviously if you've got something that you need to do, like go yeah. food shopping, um, then that's a great moment to go, okay, I'm feeling the anxiety. What is the story that's running in the background? Because there's got to be a belief about yourself, the world around about you, the supermarket or the task that you're doing that's causing that anxiety. The anxiety doesn't come from the supermarket. The anxiety comes from your thoughts about the supermarket. So that's why we need to interrogate the thoughts. However, if you're in a party or like somewhere in company where you're with people that genuinely make you feel uncomfortable and you have to force that every single time that you're with them and they're just they're not people that make you feel good they're not people that empower you they're not people that you know if they're people that bring you down and make you feel like shit leave. Yeah. don't drink so that you can go on with them no. yeah, they are. you're allowed to you're allowed to surround yourself with people that make you feel good you know you're a hundred percent give yourself permission for that but if you're if you're out and you're food shopping and you need to get you need to get food right because that's going to make your anxiety worse if you don't eat so get your food you know really interrogate that and, and slow just slow your mind down right 
and just get in touch with your feeling it's okay to have a feeling don't make it bad or wrong because there's nothing wrong with it. it's just a feeling look at what the thought is and if you can let that thought go because the beauty of thoughts is they're constantly never switch off but they vary in content right Mm. so if we've got a constant conveyor belt in fact this is where don't sniff the job becomes in really handy if i can tell a story yeah tell a story tell a story tell a story (laughs) So, right, there's three things that humans have, and it doesn't matter whether you live under a bridge or you live in a mansion, right? You have all, everyone has these three things. One of them is universal mind. Your mind is infinitely um, capable of creativity. If you think about a car that's made out of donuts that's shooting down at the exhaust, it's driven by a monkey and it's on its way to Mars and can make it 10 times weirder, that is your universal mind that can imagine all of that, okay? Right. So, um, You've got that. You've also got universal thought and universal consciousness. Your universal thought is the fact that you your thoughts never switch off, right? right. And you're you have between 60 and 90,000 thoughts a day. You're not wow. aware of all of those thoughts, right? Yeah. If you were aware of all of those thoughts, it wouldn't be me that you were talking to, right? Because you would be bombarded, overwhelmed, and you know, there's other stuff at play there. So the good part about it is that it's variable and also um, it's constant. So it never switches off even when you're asleep. Um, but it's variable in content. So it can be a happy thought, sad thought, angry thought, curious thought, funny thought, all of these different thoughts, right? And it's like a big conveyor belt. Yeah. So if you're unhappy with the thought that you're having right now, see if you let it go, there'll be another one straight in, right? It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't waste time. You never know what your next thought's going to be because I don't know what I'm going to think next. Neither does Chris. Nobody knows what their next thought's going to be. If the next thought that comes in is, is a terrible thought, let that one go as well, right? And there'll be another one straight in. And just keep going until you get one that you like and you hold on to that. Now, your experience comes from here. It doesn't come from out here. We take the information in, we process it, we filter it, and then we decide what we think about it. And that's where the experience of the world comes from. So if we take the 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 feeling, so the universal consciousness is our ability to, to know what we're feeling and to be able to, to sit with that and, and go, okay, I'm feeling this. Other animals don't have it, but humans do. Um, you know, like my cat just acts. He's like, I'm angry, so I'm just going to hit something, or I'm, I'm hungry, I'll just, I'll eat, right? Yep. We have the ability to interrogate some of that stuff for conscious beings. So what we need to do is we, we, because we're not aware of all the thoughts that you're having, then we check in with your feelings first, right? We go, I'm feeling sad. Now, every thought comes with a feeling and those two things must match. It's impossible to have happy thoughts and feel sad at the same time. It just doesn't work that way. So if you take your your feeling right now and you can then understand what you're thinking, right? So if you're feeling anxious, it makes perfect sense that you must be having anxious thoughts. So then we, we need to nail down the thought. And if we can let go of that anxious thought and wait for a better one to come in, then we will automatically change how we feel. So yeah. if, we're, if we wait and we go, you know what, I'm thinking all these big things and I'm just touch that and let it go and I'll wait for the next one to come in. When that happy one comes in, it automatically changes how we feel. How we feel like informs how we act. How we act changes our worlds right right yeah and it changes how we see the world it changes how we perceive it so if we always keep that in mind that we live life and we go about life from an inside out perspective not an outside in 
then yeah. we gain the power back from outside things, right? Because nothing can change how we feel. Nothing can affect us then no. because we start everything from here. I hope that makes sense. That makes so sense. So now we're going to go on to the, the story, right? This is a great story. Oh, okay. Yeah. And how we're thinking, right? Yeah. So if you imagine that you're standing in a river and the river is your stream of consciousness, right? And as the water flows towards you, it flows away just as quick. Yes. When you're in a river, there's things that can float down the river, right? So sometimes yes. there's a river near Tindrum and there's a gold mine upstream and people go panning for gold and all that stuff. If gold comes down your river, what are you going to want to do? You're going to want to get in, pick it out and take it, right? Keep yes. it in your pocket, carry it around with friends and family here. Do you want to see my shiny, shiny? Right? Oh, yeah, of course. It's old. That's all your happy thoughts. That's your good shit. That's your, do you know what? Today is going to be a good day and tomorrow's going to be even better. Say that to yourself every single morning, right? Yeah. And sometimes in your river, you get litter. If litter comes down, litter doesn't break down, right? These are the yeah. things that, these are your taboo list. This is the stuff that you pick out your river, you put it in the bin, you deal with it, you get rid of it, right? You don't carry it about with you for too long. You just, you don't let it clog up. You don't let it pile up. You just get rid of it. Keeps the flow going, right? Stops your, yeah. your thoughts getting clogged up with litter. Sometimes, though, in rivers, you get sewage, right? And in Scotland, we call it jobbies. So if you're in your river and a jobby comes floating down your river, a jobby will break down all by itself. Yes. So what we often do is we, and it's okay to notice it because you don't want it to touch you, right? You don't want no. a jobby touching you. Just no. step back, notice it, and let it float on past, and it will just deal with itself. And that's your jobby thoughts. But often what we do is we get in the river, and we scoop it out, and we bring it right up to our face, and we go, and we sniff it, right? And we're like, oh, this is disgusting, right? And what right. we also yeah. do is we take a wee bit, we put it in our pocket, and we go up to our pals, and we're like, here, do I sniff my jobby? And then you and your pal are sniffing jobbies, and then you've got other pals who come up and they're like, here, do you sniff my jobby today? And you stick your face in it. And then before you know it, we're all engaging in jobby thoughts, right? And then everybody's sitting going, why am I so unhappy? Well, probably because you've been sniffing jobbies all day. Right. Some people live in a jobby river that is so clogged up and it's been so full of jobby that they don't even realise that it smells anymore, right? They're right. just completely oblivious. And they wonder why people don't hang about with them. It's because they're buzzing. Yeah. And sometimes what we do is we go looking for the source of the jobby in our river. And when we do that, more than likely we're going to find an arsehole. So the moral of the story is don't sniff the jobby. Don't yeah, sniff the jobby. Don't sniff the it's jobby. a rule for wait life. For, uh, wait for the gold, deal with the litter, don't sniff the jobby. I like that. That's and a concise three-point system to remember it by as well. Absolutely. Also, Sip the word "jobby" will put you out of a mood. So jobby will put you in a mood as well. I like that. That's a great story. That is a great. I when you said it about me, I obviously said, "Don't don't tell me it before the show. I wanna I wanna hear it for the first time." Uh, yeah, no, it's perfect. It's a great analogy. Uh, it's a great analogy. We've only had um, with reality TV. Someone said jobby entertainment. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, someone's posted an interesting question it's a little bit off topic but they have posted it in the chat so i'm going to pose it to you that, uh, about your opinion uh, opinion on you obviously i uh, it's not anything uh, there's nothing weird we make sure that we've got moderators and stuff in here but um so uh, so the, the, 
Yes, uh, a weird is. Uh, I'm using a nice term for a stream that is I mean, open that, to the public. That's just a view, opinion, or belief. It's not. That true. is. You're absolutely right. I maybe I mean unpleasant. Maybe I mean not aggressively horrible. Is what I mean. Like so, you're right that it could be a system. I mean, it's not openly aggressive. Is probably a. Okay. A, a, what's, yeah, right. The question on. is, uh, we have a complicated feeling because we're. We, we're very right to die for the severely and fatally ill or something similar. Some people have called that selfish or said that we don't care about others. But we're like, at what point is it fair that we, suffers, we suffer for others not to? So that's from the Juniper system. It's a, it's, what do you think on that? Let me, I just want to make sure that I've got this. The... Then, so I, I guess this is about euthanasia and the right to die. Yeah. And at what point is it is it acceptable to prolong someone's life who is suffering and wants to die in order to keep other people happy? Yeah. Is that is that the question? Yeah, it's. I think the because uh, obviously I it, it's a, only a little comment. Junior resistance said. Um, uh, let me just see if there was something above it. Um, I, I think that's so interesting. Um, I'm I'm really all about self determination, and you know, if someone what if someone wants to end their suffering, then like I believe that that person should have the right to self determine. And yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, but, but that you know, there's two guarantees in life. One, we're all going to die, right? Yeah. And sometimes we just don't want to think about it. And two, we don't know when, right? No. So, and it's sad, and it's but I just yeah, I I I'm a believer in self determination. I'm a believer in you know I'm I'm pro choice as well. Um, yeah. So it makes sense that if someone really wants to, um, if they're suffering and they really just want to end their life, do you know it's even I was talking to someone who does um, assist training which yes. is suicide prevention as well. And, and, you know, there was even a debate in these circles, and I'm completely un... I don't really know what my opinion is on this yet. I don't have enough information to be able to, like, actually form an opinion on it. But there was a debate that was happening between him and some colleagues about um, if someone really wants to take their life, then is it ethical to stop them if we're prolonging their suffering? Yeah. someone that is suffering from mental health so it's not just a physical condition that if someone's suffering from mental health yeah. i don't really know that i don't have an opinion on that yet because i just don't have enough information on it but it's a really no. interesting question it's something that should be explored well the person that's asked juniper system kawini is their, their name um they uh have that there's it's a very specific situation and they've clarified further uh they said, but what if you did know at least roughly when you were going to die? It's complicated uh, for them because it, they're not sure if it counts as suicide or compassion is what they're saying. Because they, uh, I know that they have a, a chronic and fatal illness. So that, that might happen. So what would you say about that? If you knew you were going to die anyway, would you say it would be your choice? It would be better if it was your choice or not? That's that's why I'm asking. Um, I mean, I don't think anyone can really pinpoint exactly, but we can give a rough guide. And yeah. does that become a self-fulfilling prophecy? 
How yeah. do you know that it's definitely the day? There's been other miracles have happened. I don't know their full situation. I don't know about enough no. information about them, but all I can really do is think if it was me and I believe that I should have the right to live how I want, you know, as long as I'm respectful of other human beings. Yeah, but I do that I should have the right to die how I want and and die when I want to die. And I don't know, like I can only speak. Yeah, I would want to die the way and how and when I, I would if I had that choice. Yeah. Um I don't know. Um would I want to wait it out? It just really so difficult to answer with it's, like being in here. It's also a difficult situation because again, like you say, there's the physical and the mental aspect of it as well. And having been in a situation, so uh, someone else has said, Ben, who's a, a, someone else has said, the Terry Pratchett Dimbleby lecture was brilliant on this topic. So if people are, who are listening or watching want to go and check that out on yourself, Andrea, if you want to check that out, the Terry Pratchett Dimbleby lecture, obviously Terry Pratchett wanted to end his own life because he was suffering from Alzheimer's or was it dementia? I can't, one of those two. And in the end he passed, unfortunately. Um, but I, I see, I, I as someone who suffered both from uh, suicidal thoughts as part of my bipolar and having recovered from that, I would say that at that point I would have been ready to you know fully kill myself in my early 20s and that would have got away with my uh that, that would have um robbed me of my chance to make it better now because i i like i it was a uh it was a very dark period of my life and then now i wouldn't want to do that now i wouldn't haven't for ages so what would that's a, that's where i think the subject gets really really muddled do you see what i mean really like I mean for me I've, I've had suicidal thoughts since I was nine and I'm glad I'm still here sometimes days are horrible they're bad and I need to well sit done. through a lot of stuff but um I'm glad I'm glad I'm here yes but you know take me into a situation where I've maybe got like a degenerative muscle disease and I'm losing function and I can't communicate and, and all of that stuff where is yeah. my quality what level of quality of life do i need to hit before people will go do you know what it's probably kinder if, yeah. you know if that's what you want to do and I'd, I'd love for people to remember me as i don't know i mean i guess it really brings whenever i talk about death because i talk about death with clients as well and, and ask them a few questions right one of them is yeah. if you had 24 hours left what would you do with your life what would you do what would you stop doing who would you speak to who would you stop speaking to yeah. And that can be a mental thing as well. What would you stop doing? Overthinking, worrying, zero these the things. Yeah. Um, if you had a week, if you had a year, then I ask them, what would you want your legacy to be? And yeah. are you happy with how you're living your life right now based on this? And then I get them to, I say to them, you have one minute left on this planet. What yeah. would you want to say to your younger self so that they live their best life up until now? And I time it and I give them a minute and they say, they say the stuff that they come out with is beautiful. Um, so, and that really, it's only when we're faced with a death of a loved one or, you know, these kind of things that we start to consider this stuff. But the truth of the matter is, we are all going to die and we don't know when, right? Yeah. So it could be tomorrow for me. Am I happy with how I'm living my life today, knowing that tomorrow could be my last day? Yes, um, because I got up this morning, I was like, today's going to be a great day and tomorrow's going to be even better. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a great, see, that's a great way of putting it. So I, I, that topic's quite obviously quite a heavy one, and we've been trying to discuss 
how we move on from things that you've experienced. But I'm glad that we've covered it. It's quite quite a, a tough topic, especially for people like you and me who don't aren't really experiencing that at the moment and haven't had people who are close to us. Um, we just got raided, which means a bunch of people came in. So I'm just going to say thank you to raiders. Hello, welcome to the stream. Andrea, the dominant mindset coach, is my guest today, and this is the first of a mental health bar, which is where <laughs> they missed the jobby story, but they can go and watch it back. This this is on demand, so they could go and press play again. Uh, but we are—I mean, we've been going for a while now, so we are at the question stage. So if you have any questions, that there's there's there was fifty something, but there's now about forty something. Uh, if you have any questions for um andrea please put them in the chat we're happy to ask them but we will be wrapping up the um the the stream after andrea's after the questions are finished um but thank you very much to everyone that's asked questions so far i i've got a question andrea because i i like i i'm a big i'm a big uh fan of guilt I have a lot okay. of guilt. Like my, like you know already. You've we've only talked. We've known each other for about a year and a half, two years, maybe longer. I don't know how long, roughly that, and only via Twitter. Yeah, yeah. Roughly, yeah. And it's through jokes and stuff online. It's not like nothing deep. But only, I reckon in the past two hours, I've said sorry to you more than I've said any other word. Am I right? That's it's it's, it's like my. There's been a few times that I've been like, just be you, I don't care. Like, you, you don't care. So what do you, my, my, one of the things that we worked on was saying thank you instead of sorry. So when you say to someone, when you, when you automatically say sorry, you should swap out thank you for the sorry. But what, but is that, is there a technique that you would say was a way of letting go of guilt that isn't real? Like just feeling guilt about stuff that is, isn't, isn't, you know, in the way that we're saying sorry all the time to stop ourselves from apologizing for our existence something like that it, it, yeah. what would you suggest for people that do that all the time if you're feeling guilt right then there's a there's a belief that you have about yourself about worthiness and, and deservability and yeah. whether you're good enough right and you need to look at okay where does that come from where else does it show up in my life when when's the first time i remember feeling guilty when's the yeah. first time i remember that right and what decision did I make at that point? And am I willing to still stick to it? Is it true? Is it not true? Am I just wondering? Because it's okay to wonder, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going for a job, it's okay to go, I wonder if I've got the right qualifications. Yeah. But then when we start making decisions and making beliefs true for us, like, I will never get this job. I shouldn't even be applying, right? That's not true. That's no. just, that's a that's a belief that we've made up on the spot, and and we all make up stories. It's not bad or wrong. We just do it. It's just what we do. We're human, yeah. right? And so that guilt is just I felt it. I felt guilt. Like what I used to say to myself is, "What do you think we are? Do you think yeah. we are doing this, right?" Yeah. And we think that that's a rhetorical question, but it's not. You can answer it. So now when I start going, "Who do you think you are?" I go, I'm going to answer that. <laughs> this is who I am, right? Yeah. I'm in yeah. here. I'm a coach. I'm pretty decent at this. I love what I do. I've helped umpteen people. Um, in fact, I've got a couple of clients that I know today, and they're glad that I'm helping them, and I'm glad that I'm, that I'm able to, that they tr- yeah. they're trusting me with this stuff. Um, I'm a good daughter. I'm a good sister. I'm a, I'm a great pal. Like, and, I, and I answer it, and then, and then that question doesn't have any power over me anymore. 
No, that's a that's a great point you made. I think taking the power out of things is really important. Take I, I, and that brings us all the way full circle back to what you do as the dominant mindset coach. Taking the power away from other things and giving them back to yourself is an incredibly is is your core value, right? That's the core aspect yeah. of your of the no, dominant mindset coach. From what you were saying, of, five areas that I work on with people, and one of them is their unshakable belief in themselves. Yeah. One of them is fill your boots. So yeah. what that's about is is finding out exactly who you are and turning it up to eleven. I do okay. hard, not strong. I do strong, not hard. So we take you from having that hard outer shell to being internally strong. So compliments and criticisms will bounce off you the same way. Yeah. So um, we also work on it's called review, reframe, and re- review, reframe, and rebuild which is about an ongoing process of looking at all of those limiting beliefs that you've got, all the stories you keep telling yourself, we reframe them in the positive and then we rebuild from there. And we've got another section called um, Clear the Decks, where we use hypnotherapy and NLP just to clear out all of the sticky trauma that keeps holding you back. And we do an emotional detox and remove all that negativity that's been weighing you down as well. And and that's my five areas that I work on with people. Um, And it's just the results that I'm getting is just ridiculous. Like, and I'm learning all the time from clients. It gets tweaked, it gets improved every time. So, I think that's important to... I think anyone that says they know what they're doing definitely <coughs> is not to be trusted. That's We were talking about Brené Brown and Simon Sinek. I'd said I'd listened to a podcast and you mm-hmm. said Simon Sinek was a fantastic... Uh, a thinker, I think, was I, I, a lecturer. What would you say? Was life coach? I, I don't think I don't know what he calls himself. Uh, I, I don't really. I would say he, to me, he's like a thought leader. He's, he's thought just, leader. The, the stuff that he comes up with is so innovative. Like you know, just I love what he's got to say. He's really progressive. It's cool. Well, see, that's and we were talking about uh, that beforehand, and um, mm-hmm. about how. We, that, and they in that interview that I listened to, and I, I'm sure that you probably read in Simon's work, very one of the core things. He, I say core a lot. One of the key principles he speaks about is not knowing what he's doing, not being organised all the time, and just going with the next thing and rolling with it and making, like we said, like I said, I, the quote that I like from him is opportunities from surprises. So rather yeah. than trying to only do the things he knows, he's yeah. seeing what the next thing is and then developing on that. And I, I think, again, that's another thing that you said about fear earlier, is just fully committing to everything all the time, rather than being one foot in and then failing at it because you just haven't committed fully to it. So I even think it comes down to when you are, like Claire said earlier about anxiety, and you have to commit to, are you going in the shop? Are you not going in the shop? Whatever it is, you make the decision, and it's the decision you make rather than your yeah, and it's, it's about sometimes you need to just be scared shitless and do it anyway right yes, because the breakthrough yes. comes from not from thinking about it and overthinking the breakthrough comes from the action it comes from facing it head on and going right i'm scared of you but i'm going to go through you anyway because a lot of these fears are a bit like there's a madman that slaps two hands in your bonnet and says you're going nowhere who do you think you are you're not allowed to go shopping like yeah. And what would you do if you're in your car and there's a madman in your bonnet? Are you going to get out and reason with him? Of course you're not, because you might end up round at his way of thinking. He'll convince you, you've got a point there. Maybe I shouldn't go shopping. Or you yeah. can turn your engine off and stay stuck and go nowhere. It might take weeks, months, years for that person to disappear. Meanwhile, everyone's walking by your car and only and they're like, why is that person sitting in my car? There's nobody there. Because it's only you that can see them. 
Right. And then, you know, and but the best thing to do is just drive. Put down and drive, but right through them. Because they'll either bounce off, but what normally happens is you realise that that madman in your bonnet is just a ghost from your past. That's a and great quote. That's a great thing. It's just a ghost from your past. The man on your bonnet is just a ghost from your past. So what it is, it's scary at the time, but it's only you that can see them. Yeah, everybody. That's... It's like, why aren't they moving? Why aren't they going? They're just sitting with an engine off and going nowhere. That's it's such a great when you put it like like you and again you said it before the stream. Put associating things with with anecdotes, and it's a great way of remembering it. And I, I, that's something that's just going to get stuck right there. What you know, it's not a man on your body; it's just a ghost from your past. That's a great, what a great. I think we're gonna we'll, we'll end it there because I think that's a great way to end it. But before we go, Andrea, can you tell everyone where we can find you? And I will put a link in the um, I'll put a link in the chat for people to go and follow you on Facebook and stuff. But tell them where where you can go and find Andrea, the dominant mindset coach. So um, find me, first of all, if you want some free coaching tips, nuggets, exercises, things to try, and just so you can get a feel for me and the stuff that I do, um, join my Facebook group. It's free, it's private. It's called um, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash dominant mindset coaching. Um, jump on there, say hello, drop us a wee post, let us know where you're from, say hi, that you're on the show and stuff. Um, I normally go live around about every Thursday night. Sometimes it's every second Thursday, but I always do like a nice wee, like an interview or I get people on or um, I do some sort of Q&A or I do a coaching exercise with people live. Um, I'm going to be doing some webinars soon. Um, I'm doing one-on-one -on -one coaching and also group coaching has just launched. Um, so I'm just about to fill all the places for that, which is going yes. to be so cool. Um, Massive challenge for me. I've never done group coaching before, so I'm doing it at a very introductory <laughs> place. Why not do it? Why I'm not? I learn alongside everyone, right? And both and, feet, right? It's not feet. I wish it was. But um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna lead people through some things. Whoever starts the program starts the program. So whoever gets one first, um, it means that you'll get lots of one-on-one -on -one time until I get the next person in. So that could be good as well. But um. Yeah, so I've just launched the group coaching. It's something that is a new challenge for me. And guess what? I'm absolutely fucking shitting myself. <laughs> yeah, that I was saying uh, earlier, I wasn't saying it was free. I was saying both feet. You're jumping in, you're, you're shitting oh, yourself, but it's both feet. feet. Absolutely two feet in. There's no other way about it. So, Drive that um, car. Drive that car and sift that gold. I think that's the great thing. So uh, thank you very much for joining us, Adria. It's been really lovely of you. Um, we're going to take everyone that's in the chat over to someone else so that they can go and chat to someone else. If you stay on the call, we will finish our, I will say some lovely things. But everyone, this has been uh, Andrea, the Dominant Mindset Coach. I hope you've enjoyed your um, chat with her today. Uh, I'm going to send you over to um, Smart TV Gaming, who's doing some, who's a lovely person uh, like us. And they're going to do um, I will talk. I'll just I'll tell you what all this is afterwards, um, Andrew, and how it works. Uh, and hopefully, uh, we'll be back. Well, we'll definitely be back next week with another guest. I believe it's going to be the wonderful Jez Rose, who is a good friend of mine. Uh, but thank you very much for joining us. This has been wonderful. This has gone a lot smoother than I'd hoped. And thank you, Carrie and Claire and everyone in the chat. Uh, you've been absolutely lovely for joining us. There's been quite a lot of us. Uh, this is also going to be now um, up on YouTube in a couple of days and as available as a podcast if you want to download it. Go and find Andrea at the link I've put in the chat. And we'll see you, well, I'll see you tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. And hopefully you'll see Andrea on Facebook. Catch you all. Bye,
yeah see you later everyone uh i will just i we have to wait now because we have to wait until we can press the button to raid because i have done this badly i am uh i have mistimed technology right so now we can say thank you very much everyone for joining us i'll see you tomorrow morning 11 a.m catch you later uh and we are gonna close that stop